Oh, yeah. Boxeo is back in the building. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the Sweet Science Edition, where we always prepare our meat with the finest supplements in hopes of satisfying your juice-quenching needs with another dose of that performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, in fact, the voice that you hear. Just about ready to tag in my main man, Big Red, to share, I don't know, just how much we love Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson, baby. Mike Tyson. Hey, Mike Tyson. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Along with Mike Tyson, love, we will get you fired up for Saturday's Anthony Joshua-Joseph Parker fight, which airs in the States on Showtime for the unified heavyweight championship we're talking three of the four belts i mean come on this is a big deal we will also update the latest on clem Gate. follow canelo alvarez's temporary suspension for tainted beef oh yeah you know what i'm talking about tainted beef indeed but wait there's more also have a nice sit-down chat with Mayweather Promotion CEO Leonard Ellerby to talk Gervonta Davis's return April 21st at the Barclays, this Floyd Mayweather MMA drama that's going on, all this and more. So along with me, TBC, encouraging you to do us that solid and hand out a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You know, so Big Red and I can continue to pump out the hits on our new LP, That's What I Call Box, number 74, lighting up the adult contemporary charts on, on, on iTunes and beyond. Believe me, go to your local strawberries disc store. You can pick that up soon. Let me bring in that, that man I'm talking about to get this party started. Straight out of Manila. No, literally, it's the Filipino TV icon, world traveler, editor, author, protector of all things cruiserweights, not to mention your personal candy liquor. Let me lick you up. Let me lick you down. Cruiserweights. Big box all around. Oh, baby, Rafe Bartholomew live from Southeast Asia. How is it, my man? It is surprisingly cool these days. It should be the hot season here in Manila. Um, and uh, it's warm. It's always warm. But uh, it's not as blazing hot as I expected when I got off the plane on Friday night out here. So, uh, so far, so good. So I don't have to really worry about this. No cooling down. Well, baby, I run hot. I could use a little at all times, but um, you know, I've got a, I've got the aircon going. I'm 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 surviving. All right, what what kind of digs are you in? Because the people care about this. They're they're getting their respect respect box newsletter every Friday afternoon or sometimes Friday night if you're traveling uh, by plane to Quezon City. Where are you now? In like a chicken coop? Where are you right now in 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 uh, the Philippines? <laughs> I I mean, look, it's not. I would not say that it's uh un, it's too prejudiced to to ask if there are live chickens around me because uh in in reality there always are um you know the, the lives you know fowl game fowl um you know poultry birds you know it's, that's just a fact of life around here um I am renting a uh, uh you know I, I always roll in style and so I am renting uh what I would what I call a, a luxurious uh, boarding house room um shared with uh, not not shared the room but in a building full of mostly college students and uh you know directly abutting the other side of a uh, small restaurant so I wake up every yes. morning to the delicious smell 
smells of of preparing garlic rice and just overwhelming fumes coming through this window. <laughs> uh, it's pretty great. There's, there's a, I heard, there was an, like a, a, a eight like a super loud you know thousand many thousands of decibel uh, um, uh, street cat fight uh, just a few a few minutes ago. I'm sorry that our listeners didn't get to hear that, but uh, it's all it all comes with the game that that uh, that I play out here, and I love every second of it. Wow, I love it. So apologies for any audio issues as Rafe circumvents uh, circumvents a couple of different continents to bring you this audio magic. There's so many smells, I'm sure, coming from that area. Maybe it smells a little bit like this. Ooh, it smells smell like Doritos. You, you getting any of that over there? <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I I could I could get uh, real Doritos if I wanted. However, you know, what's the point of that when you can get all the great knockoff snacks? The, the I, I ate some. I forget what it, I don't even know what kind of knockoff corn chip I ate earlier today. Um, I I've passed the Taco Bell in the mall, and they were selling a uh, the ultimate shawarma grilled pork burrito which oh, has nice. a lot of stuff going on and i didn't know you could do all of those things in one but um if you can dream it you can achieve it yeah absolutely absolutely put the lime in the coconut get it ready rafe as we teased off the top we're going to be talking a lot about joshua parker at length later in the show yes two unbeaten world heavyweight champions Fixing off from Principality Stadium in Cardiff, Wales. There's Joshua, 20-0 and and 20 KOs in one corner, Rafe. And the 24-0 Parker, who has never been knocked down as an amateur or pro in the other corner, unifying a trio of heavyweight titles. Someone's O, as they say, has got to go with fellow unbeaten Deontay Wilder, who we just heard from, talking a little Doritos right there on the one-chip challenge, waiting patiently in that bullpen to take us one step closer to an undisputed champion. And Rafe, I know you're as excited as I am for Joshua Parker. You know the one place to find it in the U.S. on Showtime, 5 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. But for our Canadian audience, listen up to this. The only place to watch the fight north of the border is on DAZN.com. Yes, Yes, DAZN.com. That's D-A-Z-N.com. It's a sports streaming service with over a dozen additional pro leagues that gives you unlimited access to live and on-demand sports for just $20 a month or $150 for the entire year. And right now, when you sign up at DAZN.com, you get your first month free. So you get a free trial, and this heavyweight championship unification fight on Saturday is the perfect time to test it out. Simply put, you cannot miss this fight. So live and exclusive in Canada, along with Germany, Australia, and Switzerland, DAZN presents Joshua Parker. And if you miss it live, they've got it there and on demand as well when you have the time to watch. So for more info, check out DAZN's website at DAZN.com. Rafe, that's the fight we want to see on Saturday, but the fight we want to see on May 5th, Hey, oh, this might hold up. Are we going to see it or are we not? Because Canelo Alvarez temporarily suspended late last week by the Nevada State Athletic Commission with a hearing set April 10th, one month before he faces Gennady Golovkin in their May 5th rematch in Las Vegas to decide his fate. Clem Gate heating up, Rafe, live from Quezon City. What is your reaction? Well, I, I for Brian, I can you like run back the the, the timeline a little bit on on this cuz I I learned just recently a few days ago it was after I I arrived here in Manila I saw that now we see that Canelo actually tested 
positive twice yes. for clembuterol in February. It, before I had I, the, the story that we had been, you know, reporting and running with and, and repeating and all for for the last few weeks had been he had one positive test with with just a, a low. Uh, they were saying trace amounts of uh, the banned substance clembuterol in his system. Now it sounds like there was an earlier test with higher levels. That doesn't sound good for the old uh, tainted meat alibi. Um, <laughs> Unless he was really going ham on that beef. Um, but, uh, you know, the other, I, I, and I don't really know what to, the other thing I don't know what to make of is this temporary suspension. What does that, what is, I mean, I, the hearing makes some, makes sense to me. What let me, does it well, mean? Me I, I sound like Jerry Seinfeld. What does it mean, Brian, <laughs> uh, to be suspended when he's not even in Nevada? He's not even temporary. He's not, yeah. So let's get to the bottom of this. So, it seems like there was creative response for, for crisis alert management from Golden Boy here because VADA, the Voluntary Anti-Doping Agency, which is handling this, you know, the most respected, uh, it, it seems, of the doping agencies, sent the letter to all parties involved after he originally popped dirty. And in that letter, it does mention, which ESPN now has access of and printed it, it does mention that there were, were two failed tests. But it seemed like Golden Boy cut and paste out of that letter and got ahead of the story. They self-announced themselves, right? They put out the, P, the, the press release after Canelo popped, not mentioning the two failed tests in there. Now, Dan Raphael, who's on top of it for ESPN, has gone on Twitter and kind of corrected fans and said, although it kind of leaked in the last few days that it looks like one test had much higher traces of clenbuterol than the set, than the other, he's trying to say, no, it, it's they were both low traces, but it was twice. So that sort of expands the story, it seems, Rafe. And I think personally, the fact that Triple G's team would not let this go has gotten us to where we are now. And let's remember, since you and I recorded last week, Triple G came out again, had another media day at his uh, camp in Big Bear, California, and was like, Canelo's a cheater. I can't trust Oscar. They're both, you know, cheats and liars. And he went in like, you're talking about ham. He went in ha high ham sandwich there on them. And I think that really kept the argument and the, the storyline going that, no, we're not just going to accept this like the WBA and WBC has. And by the way, WBA just like doubled down again and was like, stop the madness. We trust Canelo. But Rafe, I think if you are a fan of like some sort of protocol in this broken sport, even if you are on the side of the fence that says this quote-unquote temporary suspension is just a dog and pony show, at least this is something, right? Yes, and I think it is. I think it is at uh, look. I think there's a decent chance a lot of people who follow boxing suspect that it may be. And I believe you know we saw Eddie Hearn when he was asked about this over the weekend. Uh, you know during the Dillian White, Lucas Brown, uh, uh, whatever you want to call that, the glorious festival <laughs> of boxing. Um, you know he was asked about his thoughts on it, and well, he said you know on, it could be the kind of thing that Nevada is just you know giving a, a slap on the wrist and trying to to make it look right um but a hearing seems like the least they can do at least bring canelo in there and have him present whatever case he can that it had that that it was uh that he would he you know ate bad beef and uh and, and i mean we're, i think we're gonna get into more bad beef with our boys the charlos later but but let's stick to canelo for now um you know that yeah Hold the hearing. That's the least they can do. I mean, there's the, the fight may still go on. And I think a lot of us, you know, against our best wishes, hope the fight or against the, our best ethics, 
hope the fight does still go on. Um, but at least, you know, have him come in and explain himself. That doesn't sound too crazy. Although the WA's, WBA did say, like, this is absolutely unfair. The good Canelo has never tested po- – well, you don't test positive until you do, and then you have to answer for it, right? <laughs> no, I mean, absolutely. By the way, I want to play Eddie Hearn's reaction because it's hilarious. This was an interview with Radio Rahim of Boxing Scene where they did ask him about it. I mean, it's all, it, it sounds to me like everything's up in the air. And it sounds to me like Mr. Loeffler and Mr. Golovkin might be planning something else or getting ready. I mean, that's their job too. I hope, I mean, I hope it happens. I want to see the fight, you know? Right. I don't know whether ethically it's right. Well, would you come down ethically on boxing, that? We know what we know. Boxing and ethics don't really always mix. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the quote right there, Rafe. We'll get to where this could go in a second with what Eddie T's off the top. But just his reaction, boxing and ethics don't seem to miss. So it's like... I feel torn in my reaction to this, and this is where I feel. I feel like on one half, I actually love that the fight is threatened to possibly not go on. But at the same time, we all believe it will no matter what. And I don't want this fight to get postponed or, or suspended or, or put on later in the fall or next year. I still want this for May 5th. So we're, what's the right reaction when you're in that gray area between the two where you're actually excited that there's potential justice here? But at the same time, you hope, hey, everybody, just play nice. Somebody throw Golovkin another couple hundred thousand. Let's still do this fight. Well, it's interesting because for the past few weeks, while we watched first Abel Sanchez sort of beat the drum about how Canelo had to be and his team needed to be held responsible, and then Golovkin coming out last week with, you know, we are really burying some of the on how insane his, his, his statements are, where he's like, look at the injection marks on his torso. <laughs> he had inflated muscles. He was, he, I don't need medicals, which is always, I'm, I'm never going to not like Golovkin talking about, you know, fighters who need the medicals. He's like, don't get caught on the beef. It was, it was a, just a tour de force, um, performance, uh, by, by Gennady Golovkin in, in that one. Um, and, and he was like, I eat, I eat Mexican food all the time. I don't understand. I, I, look, uh, it was something like that. Uh, it may be time to like bring in a Russian to English translator so he can like give a, a coherent thought. Um, but if he doesn't want to, we'll certainly have fun with it. Um, I guess I, but, but where, where I'm going with this is, you know, we had thought that maybe they just wanted, like you mentioned, to, to get a, you know, a little, some, an extra payday, an extra few hundred thousand dollars out of, out of the Canelo camp as a penalty for, for, you know, the, the risk of possibly facing a proven, uh, tainted, uh, meat eating, uh, dirty fighter. Um, or, or they just wanted to disrupt the camp and use it as a competitive advantage, in which case something like, uh, having to go down to Vegas for a hearing, uh, uh, you know, is them getting that. But are they doing such a good job at making this an issue that <laughs> they're putting so much pressure on Nevada? Nevada, like, will they, will, will the commission feel so much sort of media heat and public pressure to actually do something ethical for once that they, they, they actually suspend Canelo and, and either put the fight off or, or not, or, or the fight doesn't happen? Well, this is going to show what kind of poll. Canelo and Oscar De La Hoya and with Canelo being in the States, right? Not counting Anthony Joshua, the biggest 
draw in, in the sport, the number one star in the sport with Floyd stepping away and Manny's star fading to a certain degree. This will test how much pull he really has because, look, on April 10th, Canelo will sit in front of a five-person Nevada State Athletic Commission panel. They'll decide his fate after hearing him. Now, Canelo's already met with Bob Bennett, the NSAC head, but after meeting with this, they'll decide it could be upwards of a six-month to two-year suspension if they don't believe him, or it could be clearing him to fight with just a slap on the wrist. And the reason why I say this will test his poll is because we've seen Floyd Mayweather time and again as the biggest star in the sport have three significant moments of swaying them, right? There was the whole fake weed thing from the Showtime documentary that just got (laughs) shoveled under there. Oh, we believe you, Floyd. It was prop weed. No problem. There was, of course, them allowing him to go to jail in 2012 a month later so he can still fight Miguel Cotto and bring in all that money for for Las Vegas. And then, of course, there was the after the fact, what, uh... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for where he was allowed to... Are you talking about the the temporary usage exemption, the TUE? The TUE for the uh, illegal IV bag he used ahead of the Pacquiao fight where it's like, oh, nothing to see here. It's fine. It's Floyd. It's fine. This is where it's going to get interesting. I'm just flushing something out of my bloodstream. Oh, it happens all the time. Don't worry. I needed it. Yeah, and I think you made the best point possible. It's like, did Triple G's team push this too much where they could actually lose the fight? And I I was reading uh, Dan Rayfield's story, and he wrote this. He thinks that this Canelo in this spot is the highest profile boxer ever to test positive for a performance-enhancing drug. I, I think that is that true. That's, it's hard. It, I, it's hard to uh, to think of another, as, at least in going into such a me, like a, a true mega fight or a super fight. Absolutely, because yeah. there have been other other guys who tested positive, but it was later in their careers is when they were already they weren't you know like like Roy when Roy Jones tested positive he wasn't like the Roy Jones Jr. you know pound for pound you know best fighter most of us have, a lot of us have ever seen. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, there really is peak of their prime fight this important biggest fight of the year. There, there really is no equivalent. So I, I'll, I'll give Dan that one. Shout out to the fleece, by the way. Yes, the great, <laughs> the great one right there. Uh, you mentioned that great quote that Triple G did give the ESPN about I eat Mexican food all the time. I've never had that problem. So he's as the represent. The, the, really, he's the highest. Triple G is the highest profile boxer who's beating the Vada drum and has for years that I'm going to be clean in this sport no matter what. So I guess you got to go the distance on this. And I guess if you're him, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, do we know, do we, I mean, does, does I haven't remember? Cause I remember say when Nonito Donaire, 2012, his, his heralded fighter of the year campaign. Um, a lot of that had to do with he self-enrolled in 365, 24-7 Vada testing. Yeah, but he's not Does as high profile. Does love can have that? Because I feel like if he did, that would that would get mentioned about him like almost every time anyone written, right. wrote about him. That's so a is, fair point. Is Golovkin in year-round random train or testing? I think when you're in Vada, you you ha- you are. I think that's what Vada is. I think you sign up for it, and it is twenty-four-seven year-round, right? Or are you saying? Oh, no, you people- can hire. You can hire. I mean, promoters can hire Vada to 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 test for any fight. I mean, All right, that, that you could know, be just, an interesting. You, you just call up Maggie G and she shows not Maggie Gyllenhaal, but Margaret Goodman. Oh yeah, the, um, the great doctor. You know, she shows up. You know, she doesn't show. You're lucky if she shows up, but. You know, her goons show up with the needles, and you better not have been eating the beef. That's what I'm talking Don't about. Don't get caught uh, on the meat. All right, so that, you know, we could we could argue that whether he is year-round. Nonito did take a stand for that. But Triple G has presented himself as the guy. So, Rafe, you have to think he's prepared for this deal to fall apart in this for the sake of justice. 
and it seems like, and that's what Eddie Hearn teamed up. Except he, he's not real. I mean, he's in in the same insane interviews. He's like, you know, Bernardo Osuna of ESPN is interviewing him, and and, he, and then he's like, oh no, I I, I you know. I fight anybody. I fight. I I don't care what medicals. I I still fight him. Like yeah, he's why basically. Are you, mad if you, if you still want if you still want to fight a guy on on, on PEDs that you know that that that's a little confusing. But he um, keeps saying that I, he'll take the fight no matter what if Nevada clears him. So maybe this is just to appease him and appease you know that the the loud minority who's like, what are we doing here, boxing? You have a guy who just failed now two tests. We're finding out. Do something about it. But my whole question is this: if the commission does put their foot down, even if they don't hammer out Canelo and say, you're a cheat, you're gone for two years. What if they just say, look, this was unknowing, but, you know, this is a mistake by you, but you're not, you know, you weren't trying to screw people, but, hey, two tests is hard to overcome, so, yes, we cannot sanction this fight. You're not suspended, but you guys are going to have to do this again in September. It seems like Team can, Team Triple G has that backup plan that Eddie Hearn was teasing. I think it's key that Eddie Hearn might have been teasing it because Tom Loeffler, Triple G's promoter, told ESPN, quote, we want to fight Billy Joe Saunders or anyone who makes sense. But, Rafe, Billy Joe Saunders right away came out. I'm not sure who interviewed him. And he was like, I'm not anybody's backup plan. So we know he's well, – Beyond different. beyond that, Brian, he just pulled out of the fight with Martin Murray with some kind of injury. True, so, but that um, made you believe – that made you believe that potentially he pulled out to be available? So that was my first take on that. But then when I hear his oh, quotes, the, the withdrawal method, I yes. like it. I've used it. Oh, come on. That is, come on. You, how, like, first of all, that's, that's just like, uh, oh man, if I can only find the button, I, that would have, joke would have been great. But, uh, Manny used to use that too before he got serious about life. Um, Rafe, <laughs> I, so I thought that was the case, but he's, and look, he's a tough negotiation, right? That's the biggest problem of getting him to sign. And he's now saying, look, I've signed to fight Triple G before and they pulled out. I'm not going to be anybody's backup. So the the name Saunders that... is never gonna. No, I I I mean it's just insane, especially with them saying, oh yeah, May fifth is on, no matter who it is, and it's probably gonna be Saunders if it's not Canelo. That's nuts because Saunders is not like you said. You were saying he's a tough negotiator. On to, on top of that, he is he's 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 not an idiot. He's not if if whenever he fights Canelo or Golovkin, he's gonna go in with a long good training camp he's not gonna go in on short notice to against these fires of that level he's not a fool true but you know who might be and i don't mean who might be a fool the name that that makes the most obvious sense is danny jacobs and i think that's where eddie hearn comes in because he's now promoting him and i think that we know that danny jacobs is fighting an april 28th hbo card against that guy's name who we can't pronounce in Brooklyn. He's touching M's. He's yeah. touching Mache Sulek Suletsky. Mache's touching M's, First baby. Of all, you have no. You have. That's. How, I mean, how do you say? It? You have no idea what he's touching. Well, you ain't even no, I definitely. Yet. I'm touching M's. That's why I mean my word I HBO. I get that. I know you're gonna or probably get, get it. You don't know what I'm touching. But don't. Yeah, yeah. Come on. You don't know what he's touching. First of all, Rafe. But he's fighting that guy that nobody cares about, Mar- Marchin Sukeki. I don't. What? I don't. What? Suka, no, you know what? I know that his first name is is pronounced Mache because that's the same name as the second round pick of the New York Knicks, and I forget what year when all of the new all the Knicks fans were were like, yeah, we he dropped to the second round. He was supposed to be in the lottery, and the guy. I played like 10 games. Yeah, Frederick Weiss is on line one waiting for you, too. Uh, but I'll say that, I mean, triple this guy Jacobs, that would be a, a heck of a rematch. They could probably make it on short notice. Jacobs fights on HBO. This fight is supposed to happen on HBO April 28th. No one's excited about it. This seems to make the most sense, right, Rafe? Have him delay a week and do the Triple G Jacobs rematch in case of emergency? 
Uh, that is a that is a that is a that well, that makes sense to me in a way, but I still don't really want it to happen. So I don't know, I, you know, I get, I, this is not making me feel like a good human being, but I still really just want to see Canelo Triple G two. Well, the, that's the thing. There's you know, boxing and ethics don't mix, even for us who who try to try to act like we're high and mighty sometimes, but we're really not, Rafe. To be a boxing fan, you can't be high and mighty because you got to live in the sewage at all times. You got to swim in it, right? You got to. I mean, like that's what it's like to be a boxing fan. So I, I have to agree with you. I'd rather go dirty and have it no matter what. I'd lo- I mean, Triple G Jacobs 2 is a great fight. No question about it. But at this point, I mean, th- does the fact that there were two tests for Clem Buterol, both with supposedly low trace amounts, does that make you any more or less confident that there's a chance Canelo could be clean here? Um, that he could be clean? Yeah, that that's he, less that, confident, like, right? Um, well, I think, I think the two tests, especially with the one, the level being higher, um, to me, well, I guess, you know, if, assuming that it was the same meat he ate, if you buy that, that story, then I guess the, the first test was, since it was earlier, the levels were higher. So, I mean, it's still consistent with the explanation. Um, I, it, it, I, for, for whatever, I, I think it, it sort of makes the excuse a little less, uh, buyable, uh, in my eyes. Um, but I, I didn't really buy it, uh, personally, um, to begin with. You know, it's just, I think we, we know that, that, um, there, that, that athletes across the board, um, in lots of sports get away, will do pretty much what they can get away with. We know that it, we were pretty, we, we know that it, that boxers can and have gotten away with stuff in the past. And so there's a, there's a sort of, um, tendency to just, uh, you know, to, to put the benefit of the doubt on, well, yeah, I don't know if it's the meat. Um, but like, like everyone mentions, Eddie Hearn mentioned it, you can't prove it. Nobody can prove it. So, um, and if, you know, if, if Fernando Vargas and uh, not Francisco, man, if Francisco Vargas, I forgot what Fernando Vargas was, uh, was taken, but he took a few things in his day. Um, if Francisco Vargas and, um, you know, and Eric Morales, you know, pop dirty for Clembuterol and they got to fight. It's hard to imagine that Clem, that, that, uh, you know, Canelo is not going to get to fight as well. Um, I wanted to ask you, Brian, I, this was a great point. I saw, you know, Johnny Nelson, the British broadcaster who does the, 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 the gloves are off shows, yes. their version of the, the HBO face off show. Um, he, he, they asked him about it over the weekend and he brought up, I mean, this is, probably something a lot of people in boxing have thought of or figured out on their own, but he said it really well that this is like Canelo, this is turning into a lose lose for him because if the fight goes through and he loses and, and, and looks bad, then it's, then everyone's going to say, Oh, you know, he must've been, he must've been dirty in the past and he had to come off it because they were watching his ass. Um, and if he wins, then people are going to say, up, oh, you know, cause he's dirty. So it's a, it's, it's a, uh, it's, you know, public image wise, it's a bad look for, for, um, you know, Saul. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is all around. And I just, by the way, as you were saying that I just had a deep talk with my own soul and was like, are you really going to sit here on this podcast and tell the people that you don't care? You want to see the fight anyway? Like, shouldn't Rafe, shouldn't me, I mean, I'm a baby, I'm a baby face when it comes to boxing. If you're going to mix pro wrestling references, shouldn't I be madder? Shouldn't I say no for once somebody should get in trouble for doing something wrong? Like for once he should get the real slap on the wrist and says, Hey, I don't care if you just screwed up or not. 
You screwed up. You should be out of this fight. Should I take that stand? I feel like I, I feel a pulling on inside of me. I mean, not the pulling that you that you, you think I'm talking about, but I feel that pulling inside of me that like, no, no, not that one, the one that says I, I should be better than this. Uh, I I understand that 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 feeling, but I you know you got to kind of take a look at the mirror, look in the mirror, and realize that um babyface or not, you know we're all dirt bags if uh, if we really are are you know invested in this sport. Um, and you know it's just it's it's almost uh it's it's sort of naive to to just to to say oh well you got, this guy's got to go down because then it's really. We're just policing the, the those who get caught, and um, when we we probably expect that many other fighters are doing what they can get away with and just not getting caught. Uh, so it's that that's the the way the the way it feels sort of hard to to get so riled up that this has to stop. This you know draw the line in the sand right here because you just know that uh or you you feel a very strong sense that that this, this Canelo is not the only fighter who may have dabbled in the uh, the dark. <laughs> I was going to say you the mean, dark meets. Uh, mean I got to figure I, out some other way to phrase that. You mean um, as I record but, this podcast, looking up at a Pacquiao Marquez four poster and tell you that. It's one of my five favorite fights of all time. Yeah, maybe I should uh, maybe I should come back to who I really am here and realize what I'm doing right here, Rafe. All right, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to incriminate anybody personally. We usually let Paulie Malinaji do that for us, and we're going to have sound from him in a second. But to show you, I want to tell you one more thing. To show how serious the idea that this could get called off, there was I didn't watch the HBO broadcast of Dillian White Lucas Brown this weekend, but you know I saw Rayfield tweeted. I saw a lot of people say no mentions of Canelo Triple G two. In fact, when they showed the on-screen graphic of their upcoming schedule, you know, meant to advertise, again, no mentions of it. So that that was interesting, right? Yeah, wow. I I mean, obviously, I was out here in Manila and did not watch the HBO broadcast either. Um, so I, I and I hadn't heard that yet. So that's that's that is something that that they're concerned enough that that it could you know the date could change or something could change there that they're not playing it up because this would be the time. I mean, you you know, otherwise they you you'd think that the network that has that pay per view event would want to be mentioning that at every you know with every breath at every opportunity. Yes, absolutely. And I mentioned Paulie and Rafe. Look, I mentioned Pac Marquez because, uh, look, I don't think any of us could look back on Juan Manuel Marquez's welterweight run and not at least put a question mark out there. But Paulie was always the guy who was most willing to put the question mark on Pacquiao's initial welterweight run. And our guy, Ellie Sackback, caught up with Paulie just a few days ago to ask him about this Canelo situation. And from ES News, here's this sound. When I heard any of that, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of things I don't say anymore in boxing. There's a lot of shit. It, it took a failed drug test for you to actually think Canelo was just starting to be dirty. You gotta watch bowling, bro. Don't even watch boxing. If it took that failed drug test for you to realize Canelo was on something, yeah, it's like that's like thinking Lance Armstrong was clean when he was just because nobody had caught him back when he was winning 17 Tour de France's and going in the Alps and, and flying when everybody else was slowing down. If you're that stupid, that's like thinking McGuire and Sosa were clean when they were running through those home runs, even though before they came out they got caught. If you if you need a failed drug test to realize some guys are cheating, you are a fucking moron and you should watch. Should read, you should knit for a living instead of instead of watching sports for a living. Thank you. That's why I'm staying off that because every time I say something like this, it creates a big a big uh. uh All right, Rafe, he's done with this conversation, but he always points out a key part in this discussion that we cannot be naive to where we are in sports today. Although the caveat's there, Rafe, that Paulie works for Showtime, 
Manny was with HBO Pay-Per-View during his comments, and right now, Canelo's back on HBO Pay-Per-View during these comments. So that's that's your competing asterisk. Your thoughts on Paulie's comments? Well, that's true, and and you know, while I love, well, I I really do love Paulie's commentator work. Um, it has it, you know, it it sort of detracts a little bit from his the role he once upon a time played as the you know the truth teller of boxing the guy the one guy who wasn't afraid to call out anyone in the sport you know Raul Caiz he's a golden boy puppet you know whatever he was <laughs> he, he he always had something um you know uh so he's his, his credibility is a li- isn't quite what it was in that because he does have certain allegiances that he protects reasonably because he's he's trying to make a living um but at the same time it's it's very much in line with what he's been saying about uh PED use in boxing for his whole career uh you know going way back which is that you know if you if you think that a lot of fighters aren't using it when you know in any way that they can get away with then you know, you're a fool. Um, and, and I think that, you know, we've seen enough evidence over the years with various fighters to believe that he's probably, he has a, he has a very good point when he says stuff like that. And it is naive to think that just, you know, this is the, you know, the first time something like this has happened. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't know. I kind of don't, I don't, I don't mind Paulie going out in that direction with this one. I don't think that he took it too far. Um, uh, you know, in, in this case, um, you know, and he's, I don't know. He's, you know, he, you know, you can tell with Paulie because he's someone who Paulie is maybe the one, the one fighter I would have been shocked to, to hear that he, that he tested dirty in his career at some point in time. If that had happened, he's the guy that I, you that you would have been like, really? Because he made su- – that was like Are you calling such him the an cheater? issue for him. Is he like the Derek Jeter of PED announcements? We used to always say when people were getting popped, we'd be like, okay, as long as Derek Jeter doesn't get popped, we still know that there's clean baseball players out there. That was always like the the, the name you reached for. Are you saying Paulie's that in boxing PED uh, talk? Well, I don't I – don't, I, look, I, I, I'm not I, – I didn't I – don't, I don't, I'm not a big enough baseball fan to, to, to really – really draw the analogy well but with Jeter I, I kind of get the sense that's because he was this icon and a truly great player I think I'm, although like you know I guess there's some the the real sabermetrics guys can make some cases against him I don't care man um, but Paulie was a very good fighter a uh, world-class fighter I don't think that he it's not because of like a man, he meant he means so much to the sport. It's just that he has staked so much of his own personal reputation yes. on calling out PED use that uh, it would be a shock if if uh, you know he was uh, talking out of one side of his mouth and then still doing it on the other <laughs> side, uh, you know, in, in you know in the back room. And he's also um, that's, up, that's why I would be shocked. And he's also stood up for fighter female relations. And it's what they do, right? It's, it's what, when you're a single guy, as Paulie said. I'm a single guy. We're in 2013, bro. I can live how I want. And nobody. So nobody can nobody can tell him any differently. So that, hey, that that's just you know that's a way to look at it. By the way, we did ask, we did get Joe Horn on the line, Jeff Horn's wife, to find out her thoughts on whether Canelo is clean. <laughs> yeah, right, Jeffrey. <laughs> so there you go with that. Rafe, <laughs> all right. Anyway, Rafe, before we throw it to Leonard Ellerby and hear what's going on in Mayweather Promotions fighters. A lot, a lot of Mayweather Promotions fighters in the news. I want to talk about just that, Rafe. What the heck is going on with this Jermall Charlo, Gervonta Davis beef that is going to make this April 21st Showtime triple header must-see TV for more than just what's going to happen in the ring? I mean, Rafe, you originally sent me the video that, that blew up. I think, was it a live Instagram video that Jermall Charlo did? 
Yeah, I, I didn't catch it on Instagram. I, I, I saw it on YouTube. But he, I guess, went on this rant about how he was, you know, I guess, dis- and understandably disappointed that he got moved off of the Deontay Wilder, uh, uh, Luis Ortiz undercard and now, and now fighting on the, uh, Adrian Broner, Jesse Vargas card with Gervonta Davis. And he was just calling out those guys and, and, uh, you know, I, he, he, he sent them to hell pretty well. Oh, he sent um, them deep I, to hell. Man. Dark, deep, the triple D, the deepest, darkest step. So he looked, like he was drunk or something. I mean, he looked like he he was lit. And he was like, ain't nobody coming to see AB fight. I don't want to be on that effing card. He went on and on how he doesn't want to be on Broner's undercards and how he's a curse to Broner. And when he's on there every single time, Broner loses. Then he went on to go, like, even deeper, Rafe, and started. Somebody mentioned in the live chat feed about Gervonta Davis. And he was like, that little N ain't fight nobody. He with Mayweather, and he still ain't fight nobody. Stop playing with me. This little fat tank, he thinks he's Mayweather. You stuttering, slow, dumb-talking mofo. I F with Baltimore. So N what? It is what it is. Stop playing with me because you will never be Floyd Mayweather. So, Rafe, this was like, what? This was like hot fire, like Heyman on Heyman crime. Like, we don't usually see this, especially from guys in different weight classes. You didn't see the response initially from Gervonta on Twitter, which was, yeah, Charlo and his brother on coke. So then Jermel steps in and is like, you know, he says, not at all, player, but Jamal feels some type of way about the cyber attack you delivered. Personally, I think you a cool kid, but if this the road you want to take, start your engine. Hashtag Lions only. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Rafe, did you see the comeback from Gervonta after that? Lay it on me, man. Lay it on me. It essentially, he ended up with saying, LOL, you lay a finger on me and you won't box a day in your life again. Take this how you want it. These cokehead Charlos have to chill out. The drugs be having people feeling like they untouchable. You shouldn't be doing coke a couple weeks from the fight. Rafe, this isn't like fun and games like... Well, you ain't even touching him yet. This isn't about touching M's. This feels like this is getting like pretty serious. Like, I, like I, I, does it make you fired up for April 21st? You think this is just a bunch of children running their mouth? Like, what's going on here? Well, there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot going on there. I one like the Charlos. I mean, it is, it's, it's fun to, to watch whatever, whatever this step in their boxing career evolution is, this development where they are basically bringing serious heat and, and, uh, and, uh, heavy drama to almost every time they, every, every public appearance, every time they speak publicly. I mean, they are, you know, getting in people's faces and and our line trouble you know i mean remember like even what the, like there there was there was like some 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 serious hard feelings between the charlo camp and the erickson lubin camp when jermel beat him last year there, there was like a that was the that was the fight where someone in eric the, the i guess one of the erickson lubin fans threw a chair at jamal charlo after the fight i mean there's there's always something going on Don't forget and the, uh, it's fun it's sort of it's all fun and games until someone gets hurt or until it. it crosses a line so that's it um, so we're getting fired that, up Ray. you know uh, it's hard to watch that kind of exchange on twitter between between Javante Davis and Jermel Charlo and, and with Jamal Charlo kind of starting it with the with the videos. Um, it's hard to watch that and not get a little bit concerned because like you mentioned before, these guys are not in the same class. So it's not it cannot build any kind of fight in the ring. 
promoting something other than, I guess, their own, their social media presence or just getting their names out there. But, you know, I mean, these guys have families, friends, you know, who, who, whatever, who, who may take it the wrong way. And the, the last thing you want to see is, some kind of the you know these out of the ring theatrics lead to something stupid happening outside of the ring uh, to you know to anyone yeah you know most of all you don't want to see anything happen to the fighters but to their friends to to anyone close to them like you know like keep you know if you if you guys want to go crazy run their mouths talk crap to each other uh, great keep it that way please 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 yeah uh, that was that's very well said very soberly said because when it's you know you ain't touching m's we get all fired up we want to see jacobs and charlo in the ring now it's like let's not get it you know where we got to call the police here let's not go too far let's not have canelo versus archie solis on the sidewalk am i right rafe i mean like let's not go to that level right here and rafe we might have to get our boy eddie hearn because when you talk about jamal charlo as we found out with julian j rock williams in that famous post-fight interview where you know the uh, Jamal wouldn't even shake hands with him, right? When you talk junk about Jamal, he takes it serious. I mean, hashtag Lions Only is becoming a real thing. These are different dudes. They don't F around. And I don't know, Rafe, if you heard that interview with our guy Eddie Hearn, <laughs> where he sat down <laughs> with, uh, with, uh, what's our, our, our good friend's name there? You know what I'm talking about. Marcos Vegas from Fight Hub TV sitting down with Eddie. I mean, um, I think the, um, the police are looking for Charlo's soul after Danny took it in a, in a, in a, in a corridor in Bud. Did you see it? I, mean, I was there. I was there. I mean, I was like, Danny Jacobs, you're the boy. Like, you put it on him, you know. And um... I mean, he's back in his fighter here, Rafe. But please, nobody send that sound to Jamal Charlo. We're going to, you know, we might see some hands. I do like how I think Eddie Hearn is really um, like watching boxing Twitter closely and picking up the lingo because I've seen him. He, he's he dropped us like he dropped a scent to hell recently on someone. And he also, you know, he's he's, he's talking about people taking taking souls. Um, I think he's 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 watching the uh, what what all the lunatics on Twitter are saying and and working it into his interviews, which is a pretty neat thing. But, yeah, I I I, I raise an eyebrow at that because, yeah, Charles. Carlo, um, that guy has a serious temper. Um, and while I think obviously Danny Jacobs can take care of himself and, and that would be a great fight I would most want to see on the merits uh, uh, if they can ever make it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Char- you know, like, like the, 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 the Charlo temper is real. If, if we haven't learned, if we've learned anything in recent, in the last couple of years, it's like these guys are not the sort of boring, Work a day fighters who come in win the win their their slow decisions over what was that Demetrius Hopkins or yes. was some like you know for like you know cousin of Bernard Hopkins once that Mel Charlo fought God it was on like the Lara and Gulo undercard and it was the most boring things I've ever seen you know that was the Charlos to to a lot of boxing fans for for a long time while they were while they were while they were prospects uh, and now we we see these personalities. Where did these guys come from? Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, Eddie, you know, don't, don't write a check that, uh, you know, that's going to come off bad for your fighter. Absolutely. All right. Let's get into it right now with Mayweather's promotion CEO, Leonard Ellerby. A lot to talk about. Enjoy. Leonard, busy time. A lot of great fights coming up. Can't wait to talk to you about them. How's everything going? Everything's great, Brian. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, I love this fight card coming up April 21st in Brooklyn. It's a Showtime card. 
it's a headline, of course, by Adrian Broner, Jesse Vargas. Really good middleweight fight with Jamal Charlo and Hugo Centeno Jr. there for a vacant title. But Gervonta Tank Davis comes back, the unbeaten junior lightweight, to face slugger Jesus Cuellar. Davis, really one of the rising stars of the lower weight classes, one of the top Mayweather promotions fighter. What's on the line for him in this fight? What do you like about this matchup? It's a terrific matchup. Um, Cuellar, a great fighter, um, pressure fighter. No, he's coming to bring it. Um, he's looking to obviously win that WBA strap. And um, uh, Javante knows what he has to do um, in order to uh, become a two-time world champion. And it's going to be a very, very exciting fight. No question about it. Look, the, uh, it's a... There's almost like a high and low here for Javante the last two fights. Destroys Liam Walsh in England last May, wins the IBF title, really announces himself for anybody that hadn't been following his rise, and then, of course, comes back on the Mayweather-McGregor undercard in a real showtime spot, loses his belt on the scales coming in over, still gets rid of Francisco Fonseca, but, you know, gets a lot of booze in the process. So what type of questions do you think he's going to have to answer for himself going through that experience? Well, um... We put that he, he's moved on past that. You know, his focus is obviously on the 21st to come become two-time world champion, and and that's what the focus is. These kind of things, unfortunately, they happen. You know, um, he learned from it. Um, we had great dialogue about it. Um, I think that he will become a better fighter and a better person um, because there's ups and downs in your career. Um, anytime you're in this sport and you have success. So, again, um, he's learned from it, and we're looking forward to the 21st of April. Yeah, and cer- certainly a good learning op- opportunity, learning experience, just as it was a good opportunity for him personally and his brand. You know, I mean, he's a guy that was really endorsed at a very young age by Floyd Mayweather as being a guy who really could have next in the sport. And how important is that personal relationship to Gervonta and, you know, being mentored by by the best we've seen in this era? Oh, it's, it's, it's great. Um, and and what a terrific opportunity to have um, to be mentored by, in my eyes, the best to ever do it. Um, someone <clears throat> who's been through the ups and downs in the sport, someone who's had the most success ever out of any other boxer in the history of the sport. And again, from the technical standpoint, um, just being able to uh, have some ideas to bounce off of a great, great fighter, uh, just a tremendous situation to be in. He's very thankful and blessed to be in this situation. And, again, the sky is the limit. We, we have big, big things planned for, for Gervonta. When you and Floyd look to put together a roster of fighters and, and you come across somebody like Gervonta, what did you see in him that, that, that jumped out to you and said, we could build around this guy? This guy could be one of the faces of what we're doing. Well, uh, Floyd first saw him, and, and um, I watched him spar. Floyd asked him to come to the gym, and I watched him spar. was extremely impressed. Um, Floyd signed him right away. And, uh, again, um, in our eyes, he's going to, in a few years, he's going to be the biggest star in the sport. Um, and, again, he's, he's a terrific fighter, and we're just very, very excited that he's part of Mayweather promotion. I think a lot of people are going to ask, is 130 still a good weight class for him after that last fight? Do you have any concerns in that moving forward? No, no, not at all. Um, again, you know, things things happen, um, and I won't go into detail about those kind of things. It, you know, it was unfortunate. He didn't make the weight, and um, there were consequences behind that. He had a, a 
great momentum going, and, and it just kind of just stagnated uh, briefly. And um, we're going to pick things right back up. And he has a tremendous opportunity to um, become the two-time world champion and win this WBA title against a very, very tough and durable <clears throat> Jesus Cuellar. And um, that's what the focus is. And there's real danger in this fight. I mean, this Cuellar is a guy who can bang. We've seen it. This is a tough out. You really like this matchup to see how Gervonta's style matches up against that. Do you see Gervonta's long-term rise in weight? Do you see as as a guy that can go up eventually to that 140, that 147, if he keeps keeps staying hot, keeps winning? No, um, the the focus is obviously staying at 130. And, you know, he's – there are big fights out there at 130, and, and, and it starts, again, with April 21st. Nothing happens if you don't take care of your business on April the 21st. And, and, and again, Cuellar, he's a no-nonsense guy, again. And, he, and as you mentioned, he's a very, very tough out. So Devontae's going to have his hands full. He's got to figure it out. And um, we're very confident that that's going to happen. And, and this fight will – I think it will end – in exciting fashion, and I think the fight will end in a knockout. Wow, well, I love that. I love the boldness right there. You talked about him becoming, you know, potentially a biggest star in the sport, and there's what you do in the ring. It's also how you sell yourself, how you talk outside of the ring. Obviously, something Floyd was the master at that and continues to be. We did see Gervonta in a little, I don't know, Twitter dust-up with Jamal Charlo, who's going to be on this card. Is that serious? What you know? When where? When do you have to step in when you see something like that? Guys talking back and forth in different weight classes about I'll see you there at the arena. What, what is that? What's really happening there? Uh, we don't pay no attention to that kind of stuff. Fighters talk for different reasons, and you, you know the focus is that both of those guys have big fights, and and that's what their focus needs to be. All the the back and forth stuff. Uh, again, fighters talk. And, you know, I I don't read much into it. Um, Again, that's just part of boxing. You see it, you see it happening. Sometimes it's publicly, sometimes it's just it's it's privately. You know, just how how things go in the sport. It, it was it was interesting to hear Jamal try to say you'll never become a Mayweather, and there is that pressure on him when you're promoted by Floyd, where people think you know if you're not up to this certain level as the guy you're standing next to, you're not there. How hard is it when you're somebody like Gervonta to carve out your own path where you're, you, you benefit from the relationship of Floyd, but nobody's saying you have to go 50, you know, you got to follow in this guy's footsteps. Oh, we don't listen. We don't listen to those kind of things because again, there's only one Floyd Mayweather. There will only be one Floyd Mayweather. You know, um, Gervonta is going to be the best that he can be. And um, he's, he's definitely well on his way of being the best that he can be, and his focus is, is is definitely on being a great fighter and um, having a tremendous amount of success in the sport. Gervonta uh, tweeted on March 10th that he says he thinks he wants to fight in the UFC, and that got a lot of headlines with, with you know, the crossover things we've seen with Floyd fighting Conor McGregor, the, the biggest star in MMA. Is, is there truth in there? Is this something that Gervonta is thinking about along with boxing? Um. I really can't answer that question. We've never had a discussion about it. I saw the same thing, and and I didn't really think anything of it. Um, he he's he's very very good at marketing himself, um, and he's learned from the best. And again, these are one of the reasons why that he will be the biggest star in the sport. I'm not even really concerned about that. If if he continues on the path that he is, and he listens, stays focused, and handles his business. He will be the biggest star in this sport. 
And as he made those comments, of course, we see Floyd, you know, talking to TMZ, talking with everybody every week about his own interest in MMA at 41, training with UFC welterweight champion Tyron Woodley. Woodley just came out and said that's going to start really soon. From your perspective, a lot of people say, oh, this is just filling headlines. You're close with Floyd. What What is this for Floyd? Is this a real deal thing? Is this legit? <laughs> uh, you got to ask Floyd that. Uh, he's... he's uh... He's spoken on this uh, several times, and um, I guess we just have to wait and see. Would you advise him to do something like that if this is legitimate? Because Floyd's so smart business-wise that I think it's it's right for us to go, wait, is this real? But if this is real, would you advise advise him to do something like this? Well, it's not it's not up to me. Again, I've said this before. Um, Floyd, is, he's very, very good and has been very good at making great, sound decisions. And if this is something that he wants to do, then this is what he'll do. He's, he's Again, he's made great decisions as it relates to his boxing career. And if, he's, if he has to make a decision about something that he wants to do, it'll be the best decision for him and his family. And um, I'm always going to support him in anything that he does. And Floyd's story has been told many times. We know so much about him, but we don't, we've never known him without you there, Leonard. I, I can't think of a fight that I didn't remember you seeing you being by his side in, in your role, which has evolved over time now to the level of CEO of Mayweather Promotions. How did this friendship, this relationship originally start? I don't think everyone knows your story in this completely. Yeah. Well, actually, I met Floyd when he was a teenager and, um, and, it kind of just took off uh, shortly after he moved to Las Vegas, and and um, we've been working together ever since. Uh, we have a, a great relationship. We have a tremendous amount of respect for one another. We're business partners. Um, we're family. Um, you know, I'm very proud of what he's been able to accomplish in his career. He's helped so many people along the way. He's been a, a great philanthropist. Um, he, he's just done so many phenomenal things still at the age of uh, 40, 41. I'm sorry. Um, I'm just excited with lies ahead for the future. Um, he's, again, he's 41 years old. Um, he's broken every record there possibly could ever be. He's, um, he's record-breaking numbers. Um, there's not enough accolades to go around to describe the success that he's had. Um, and I'm just very, very happy and proud of what he's accomplished. He's accomplished so much, but I think even for as prominent as he is, there's certain parts of his legacy that he doesn't get the credit. And maybe that's because he's so willing to play the villain so brilliantly at times when it makes sense marketing-wise. But from being by his side, is there an, uh, an aspect to his legacy that you think personally gets overlooked? Um, there's quite, quite a bit that gets overlooked, but it, those things, they come around over a period of time. It's still fresh. You know, he just retired. Um, so, you know, I think people will have a, a greater appreciation for what he accomplished in the sport, um, you, you know, as, as time goes on. I mean, he's the first boxer ever to, to, um, to go over a billion dollars and, and, and again, these kind of things that I, in my eyes would never be uh, done again. Um, he's he's helped so many people. He put the sport entirely on his back. The sport is is getting um, the attention that it deserves, and it started with him, obviously um, crossing over into the mainstream and, and and 
and propping boxing up. And the fighters, the fighters are, uh, are earning record purses now, all because of him. He's done so much for the sport. And again, he will start to get the credit that he deserves, I think, as time goes on. And I think, Leonard, you almost went to the forefront a little bit more during this Mayweather-McGregor four-city international media tour last year, this event that was like almost as entertaining as the fight. It was handled so well, and we got to see you, a different side of you, laughing, really, you know, showing your true personality in there. How much fun was that run to you, and and can you compare that to anything you'd ever been a part of before? Actually, I can. It was was a great time. Um, It was great working with – Dana and Connor, um, what a great group of guys to work with. Uh, they have a, a great team, great staff. Um, my team, I can't speak enough of what a wonderful team that I have. And it just all came together, and it was a, a, a phenomenal promotion um, that, was, that was global. And it was just a, a lot of fun, and, and it was a tremendous amount of success. And I had a great time doing it. Well, Leonard, before I let you go, I want to ask you about another Mayweather Promotions fighter. Badu Jack has a heck of a fight coming up May 19th in Montreal on Showtime when he challenges light heavyweight champion Adonis Stevenson. I don't think enough people are talking about this fight as as some of the ones, you know, a little further up on the schedule, maybe, maybe overpower it for now. But, I mean, a lot of trash talk on Twitter. I've even seen you get involved. What do you like about this matchup? Oh, people are talking about it. It's, it's actually, I think it's actually one of the biggest, if not the biggest, fight that Showtime had on their rollout um, plan. This, this is a fight that's a highly anticipated fight that, um, you know, a lot of fans are really, really looking forward to. It's a, it's, it's a 50-50 fight on paper. Um, Madonna Stevens, a tremendous fighter, um, WBC light heavyweight champion. Um, and and Badu obviously knows what he brings to the table, but Badu's gonna, Badu Jack is going to go in there and take that WBC strap from him on May the 19th and and he's going to become a three-time world champion and we're really really excited about that he's a he's a tremendous guy he's a, he's I call him the ambassador for the sport he's, he's living the American dream I mean, if you just look back in 2014 um, he had the unfortunate um, happen where he, he he got stopped in the first round against De- Derek Edwards on February uh, 2014, and here it is on May the 19th. He'll become a three-time world champion in a four-year span. It's just, again, it's just incredible what he's accomplished over the last four years. He's having one of the best runs I've seen ever, um, and he's just a, a great guy. And we're really, really proud to have him to be out in the front of Mayweather Promotions, leading the way. And, um, again, the best is yet to come for him. We also have a very, very exciting card on April the 7th, the Showtime card, and the, the headline will be Laura versus Heard. We have, <clears throat> excuse me, we have um, James DeGale in a, re- in a rematch. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, we have James DeGale in a rematch against Caleb Trout. And that's going to be a very, very exciting fight in the co-feature, and and obviously the open up the open up the Showtime broadcast. We have Julian Williams taking on Daniel. Got a very, 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 I think, exciting fight. Um, those guys have been going back and forth on social media, um, 
and these are these are the things that uh, the fans look forward to. It's a, it's a terrific car, action-packed car from top to bottom. This is just one of the many shows that Mayweather Promotions is going to promote this year. Um, in the first five months, three of our guys will be fighting for world titles. These are just great times for Mayweather Promotions, and the best is yet to come. Leonard, thanks so much for your time, and continued success to you guys. Thank you very much. Rafe, special thanks for Leonard Ellerby for the time, but now it's time to talk heavyweights this Saturday. We know about it. Anthony Joshua, Joseph Parker, Rafe, only seven heavyweights have ever unified three recognized heavyweight titles at one time. So, of course, the question is, can Joshua join that list of legends with a victory on Saturday? The likes of Lewis, Holyfield, Foreman, Ali, Frazier, Klitschko, Tyson as one of the most decorated and dominant world heavyweight champs in history. He's probably got to put a few wins together before he's most decorated and dominant, but this would be a big step forward. And with WBC champ Deontay Wilder on deck, just a few weeks removed from stopping Luis Ortiz, we are closing in at that possibility of crowning a truly undisputed world heavyweight champion. And yes, I know, Tyson Fury is in the building. He's lingering. He's around. But this fight's a big deal. Whether we get Joshua Wilder next, as many fans across the world are hoping so, or whether Parker slides in them DMs to spoil the best laid plans, it all comes down to Joshua Parker on Saturday, Principality Stadium, Cardiff, Wales. Rafe, you know I'll be watching in the U.S. on Showtime, but another reminder, if you can't watch this fight, you are in Canada. We've got a live exclusive way for you to check it out, along with Germany, Austria, and Switzerland on DAZN.com. Dot com. That's D-A-Z-N dot com, the live streaming service. Do not miss this fight. Rafe, on paper, this is a great one. Great in terms of what it represents. Two unbeaten guys, three belts on the line, another guy waiting to fight him. We are right in the midst of, of a heavyweight renaissance or reality that we only would have dreamed of. I still like to remind that to just let us soak in what this actually means. You know what, Brian? I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I am excited about this fight. Um, but I'm, I, I'm going to be straight with you and, and I'm going to pull your card a little bit here. How many Joseph Parker fights have you bothered watching over in recent years? Did you bother watching him fight Takam? Did you bother watching him fight Huey Fury? All, any of these decisions that went the distance that were, where, you know, you wake up, up in the morning, you see he fought in New Zealand, and it says, yeah, it was a pretty boring fight. Joseph Parker deserved, probably deserved to win. He didn't look great. That is my – I didn't watch those fights because I never got the impression I had to. Um, <laughs> and uh, and it's like, uh, you know, um, I don't I, – I, I, so I, I hope it's a good fight. Well, so that that's a perfect response for an American fan. And the only fights I really had paid attention to were his last three, right? There was the victory over Andrew Ruiz Jr. by majority decision in late 2016 to win the title. And then the two title defenses. We saw him get that decision over Raz Kujanu and then the tough, awkward, disputed majority decision win over Huey Furry. And Rafe, all three, Joseph Parker, not only did not look really all that good, he looked a little bit bloated and not the same destroyer who was knocking dudes out on the way up. So the key question here is... Why, right? Like, why? And I think 
his camp was asked about that last week on the teleconference, and they came up with this. They tried to bulk him up over his last two fights last year and get him up to that 255-ish level, which is really on par with where Joshua is. So it seemed like they were sort of trying to set up this fight from a distance, and they found that he was a little bit sluggish and not himself at that weight. And by trimming back to that 245 zone, which is, I'm sorry, the, the 235 zone, which is where he was on the way up to the title level, that he'll be a lot quicker. And his trainer, Kevin Berry, saying speed will be the difference in this fight. So, Rafe, on paper, if you look at their plus and minuses, Parker might be, of guys in their prime, the most well-balanced boxer puncher that Joshua can face. So, if he's trimmed off that weight and he's back to being the quick and powerful guy who's not going to put you to sleep like he did the last few fights, this could really be a challenge to Joshua. Yes, and 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 the tr- truth is, I mean, Anthony Joshua's fights have all been, um, you know, I mean, he's knocked everyone out. He's they're they're they've all he hasn't gone the distance yet. They're they're exciting just to watch him and to see him against another, you know, I mean, heavyweight titleist undefeated uh you know who who by all accounts you know you everyone says joseph parker has a they, at least they they say has a very very good chin um i don't know if he's really been tested there yet by someone who's a good puncher but still he's a strong prime young heavyweight uh it's it's a matchup that you get excited for on paper even if a little bit i think what we're really excited for is the build to you know a possible Joshua Wilder fight, which we don't necessarily think will happen later this year, but just keeping us on that track, keeping that momentum, if Anthony Joshua can beat Parker, uh, that is the re- that's sort of the underlying real excitement for, for this fight. And anytime either of these guys, either Wilder or Joshua fights until they meet or one of them gets knocked off. It feels like though, Rafe, we, that, that that narrative has changed a bit. The narrative of will we see that fight if Joshua wins on Saturday? Will we see Wilder Joshua? And I know that's not the main point here, but certainly that's a narrative that's lingering over the top. And it feels like Eddie Hearn and AJ are both leaning back toward the idea of doing that later this year rather than avoiding it, which had been their working statement all along in any interview they've done where they've been like, well, hold the phone, you know, Tyson Fury's around. We got to see the best option. Now I feel like they want to capitalize on Wilder's name getting the bump from the Ortiz fight. That's true, but what do you what do you make of this the 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 bit about Anthony Joshua not wanting Wilder to come you know if if Joshua wins Joshua said he doesn't want Wilder to jump into the ring and go face to face at that point and yell bomb squad and you know talk about Doritos or whatever he wants to do you know do a little shimmy I mean look Wilder is is like hella fun he is he is extremely charismatic uh, when he's selling fights so i mean it's That's hard to point. imagine why that would be a bad thing but joshua uh, you you see joshua kind of has that sort of laid back style where i look in the ring he's 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 bringing the fire but he doesn't you know when he does press conferences those face to face gloves are off style interviews he's sort of he plays it cool he seems like he likes to to act a little bit aloof and doesn't go for the theatrics so maybe that's just it but i don't it's still it, it you're not used to seeing a fighter announce beforehand oh please don't come into my ring afterward if i happen to win that's it just it's it's a it's an unorthodox well, uh kind of thing you know ploy for a fighter yeah maybe maybe Jim Gray got in his ear. <laughs> Let me ask you about the seventh round before we look at the end of the fight. Hey, 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 hey. All right. All right. 
Yeah, all right. Don't steal his moment there. Um, yeah, that this did, is Danny's day. This is Danny's day. God damn it, yeah, Danny's day. This did seem to be. A, you're right. This did seem to pull it back. Like to, hey, this is going to be my moment in a separate conversation here. Let me be the one who you know says yes. While there's next, let's not try to force it for me. Just in case, by the way, which is in play, Rafe, just in case he switches over and becomes an HBO fighter, for all we know, where where Eddie Hearn does a lot of business. But before we actually get into the X's and O's of this Parker fight, the business continues to be the headlines. And five minutes before last week's teleconference with the American media, which was the only chance Joshua was going to talk publicly, he wasn't going to do one-on-one interviews this time around, just that teleconference, our guy, the warlock, Gareth A. Davis of the Daily Telegraph newspaper, did drop that bomb that it looks like Dana White, UFC, and this whole Zufa boxing spinoff idea is targeting AJ not to fight in the octagon, but to be the face of their boxing promotion with a deal they're they see could be upwards of $500 million and Dana may be ringside for this on Saturday. And I think AJ and Eddie fielded it correctly where they were sort of like, hey, yeah, you know, we'll be willing to listen to them, even though it's like, hey, Eddie, they don't want to listen or talk to you. They want AJ. They don't want you, Eddie. But I think that at least was AJ's chance to just say, look, I'm ride or die with Eddie. We'll, of course, hear them. But I think that shows you, if anything, Rafe, if we didn't already know, Joshua is the man. This guy is like the world's biggest boxing star. This is the guy that everybody should be putting their money behind. No surprise there, but did you catch any feels from the idea that of Dana Hawaii making a run after him? Well, it's interesting, and and I think I, that look, it is. It shows that Dana White and his uh, his his Zupa friends are are not you know dumbasses like if you were going to target one per one fighter in the sport to build your to build your victor ortiz empire around it would be anthony joshua i mean he's he he's that guy um you know i mean he's he, he you know look 90k he broke 80k with 90k that's that's that 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 says it all um but there's a lot of other huge reasons that that you do it and look if there's really a half a billion dollars behind it maybe anthony joshua would have to listen to money like that although I hope it doesn't happen because we see what happens when new new promoters, even Dana White, who who you know came from boxing uh, and you know and and you know has great experience with with mixed martial arts and UFC, you know, is not exactly like Fifty Cent getting into boxing. Um, but you see, we see what happens whenever someone sort of new, even slightly new, comes in. They just get you know picked apart by all the old promoters who have all the who have all the connections, have all the sort of things set up uh, with the commissions, with the you know sanctioning bodies. They just have everything, all their ducks lined up, and they screw over the new guy almost as almost for sport. Um, and while, you know, if there's $500 million behind it, you, you know, you can't really blame a fighter for taking that kind of money, but I think it would ultimately be bad for, uh, AJ's sort of legacy side of his career because it would probably mean to, you know, he, he'd miss some of the opportunities he'd get, um, sticking with, you know, earning with Hearn, who, who's really done, a, I think, a very good job of steering his career this far. I agree. And, and look, anyone that follows UFC is going to go, uh, where are they getting this money from, folks? It's the same argument to make of why the UFC couldn't afford to even promote Floyd in MMA if any of those rumors are real. It's sort of like, you know, you got a money problem because you just sold for $4 billion two years ago, UFC, and you, it doesn't look like you made a lot of that money back last year. So that's that's totally a separate issue. The real issue here, we know Joshua's the biggest star in the sport. We know we're all hoping to get closer to that Joshua Wilder fight, but Parker has the potential to play that spoiler. So, Rafe, if he is going to, He's got the size. He's 6'4". Even if he takes the 10 pounds off and gets back down to 235, 
there's that other story that Joshua might be trying to trim off a few pounds himself, right? I asked him on the teleconference, you know, what are you hoping to come in at? And he told me uh, a 17 stone and something, which was basically – to in the in the mid two forties, which was down from where he was. <laughs> so basically, he answered you, and you had no clue had what he no said clue. back to you. Now, I, and I didn't know if I should jump in and waste my time on their ask him, or I figured I'd, I'd check it on Google later. But he came in two fifty four, career high against Takam. He says he wants to get down a little bit into those mid high two forties. I came back and was like, "Well, AJ, is there, you know, any?" Credence to the idea that you may carry around too much muscle, and by taking some of that off, I didn't outright say by taking some of that off, people will stop talking about the fact that they think you gas in the middle of your fights, but that's really where I was going with that, and he sort of scoffed at it and said, you know, when you're on top, everybody's trying to cut you down. But Rafe, it might be a little bit smart for him to to think about doing that, because, you know, Parker's a guy who's already close to his size enough, we just saw Wilder coming at 214 of all weights and, and go deep into a fight and have a lot of stamina and energy. For your Joshua's team, do you do that? Do you want to do that knowing the challenge across from you that you may need to go 12 here? Well, you know, I mean, there's I, – I do think – I believe that he wants to come in lighter than he did against Takam. I mean, I remember before the Takam fight look, seeing pictures and being like, huh, he does look bigger and not – you know, he's – He's muscular. I think it's, it's really boils down to Anthony Joshua is muscular in a way that we aren't used to seeing boxers, good boxers be muscular. He looks like, I mean, he's, he almost looks like Bob Sapp for, for, you know, <laughs> for Pete's sake. Um, he is, you know, I mean, he, but at the same time, I, I don't, it's hard to imagine what he would look like without those muscles. I mean, in, to, to some degree, that may just be his, physique and in some ways it would it may limit his his overall ceiling as a fighter but look he, he he's got the best i think he's got the best win of any active heavyweight Klitschko, including first i i you know i i rate that win better than 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 tyson fury's win over klitschko i mean they're both you could that, that's arguable in either way since since, since fury's the one who knocked him off but um, it you know the just the the you know stopping Klitschko uh and, and a fight that and, that Klitschko really came prepared for and and fought well in that that meant a huge deal. So if he got through that fight and and got a second wind, you know uh I think we can trust we can trust Anthony Joshua to to fight at the weight and with the body he's comfortable with. I, it's like it would be weird if he came in if he lost thirty pounds all of a sudden. I just don't think he's built that way. Um and for better or worse, that you know, gonna guy who looks a little bit tight because he's so muscle bound. Wow, this guy talking about how tight he looks. Hey, that's you know that's up to you. But um it's interesting because you know, anyone taking off muscle it's, it seems to be a negative thing, right? It seems to weaken you. But I do think he's carrying like bodybuilder type muscles, like NFL linebacker, sometimes you wonder if you're going to go 12 hard rounds in a fight that's going to drag you there, you don't want to have the kind of dips that he had against Klitschko. And I think he's lucky that he got up from that big right hand and was able to regain his his stamina. And he also had, you know, little moments of stamina dips against Takam. Interesting factoid here that Joshua's never gone the distance, that Parker has gone the full distance 12 rounds five times. So that could be something that plays into it if this is a close fight, if this is more boxing match than heavyweight, you know, knock each other down a few times match, how will that affect things as we go into the deeper rounds? So th- there's that potential in here, Rafe. If Parker can go back to being a little bit of that guy he was on the on the way up and not the more sluggish guy the last few fights, are what kind of fight do you think it's going to be personally yourself? Do you think it's going to be more boxing or punching? 
Um, I I think it's going to be more punching. I mean, they, like they as these guys can both box. They have decent. Obviously, I mean, they, he, Joshua comes in with the pedigree of an Olympic gold medalist, but I I've always felt that jo- what Joshua does best is when he decides when he sees something and he steps on the gas the way he can overwhelm opponents with, you know, just his size, strength, physicality, and athleticism, you know, when he sees something and decides to step in and let go, that's been too much for everyone's face so far. Um, and, you know, the, the, the worst he looked against Klitschko was when he boxed and let, let Klitschko, you know, pick him apart from the outside a bit and land clean rights over the top and just time him. Um, so uh, I, I think that, you know, they're going to – it's going to be a fight. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally can see that happening. Look, there's, there's that one half of you that does want to discredit Parker as not being up, up to this level, right? That really is stung from those last three performances and seeing him and going, you know what, they're going to trade – Joshua's the bigger puncher. Joshua's going to get him out of there emphatically. Hold on, why? Why should? Why do we not want to say? We want the only reason we don't want to say that is because we're we're trying to talk ourselves into loving this fight, which is a great thing. I want to love every fight, right? Um, you know, but I even want to love you know Rod Rob Rod Salka versus Francisco Vargas. But like, <laughs> look, this guy this guy debatably lost to Andy Ruiz and uh, and and. What and Huey Fury? Like, like, what, what, what are we talking about here? Well, look, those are all good points, but it comes down to this: Parker's chin. It's either going to be that blowout we talked about, unless Parker's chin early really changes the direction of the fight. If he can be durable enough from the start to make this a boxing match, Rafe, then maybe his speed can set up his power punches enough where he's not fighting weary and defensive from behind, and then we have an interesting chess battle. And I don't mean real chess from a technical boxing standpoint. These are still heavyweights that can bang, but a little bit more of a let's see who's going to make the first move, who's going to make the first mistake. Can Parker drag this into deep waters and expose some of Joshua's clear flaws, which is still chin and that gas tank to go the distance. That's what I want to see. I think it's going to come down to Parker's chin. You'll need things by the way gone. He will need every bit of that chin as to to get through this fight. I mean, uh, we haven't, you know, no one's, no one's done it yet. Um, And, Parker probably is the best bet to be the first guy to go the distance. Um, again, do you think he can if this fight goes 12 rounds? Do I think Parker can win a decision? Is that what you're asking me? Yes, in Cardiff, Wales, in the in the United Kingdom against Anthony Joshua. Yeah, I mean, look, it's tough. He said they brought in independent judges to make sure that there's no question about it. I mean, we haven't seen Joshua go to the card. So we don't know if it's like, if it's like Canelo Alvarez in, in Vegas or, or, you know, Canelo Alvarez in Texas. Texas forever. We don't know if, if it's that type of advantage. I think he has the ability to at least get there, Rafe, to get to the 12th round mark where we may go, wow, who really won that fight? But I don't think it's the likely prediction. I think the more likely prediction is that somebody wins by knockout here in this case. Because, look, Joshua has not proven yet that the chin is fully rock solid. But I do believe in Joshua's power more. And I am more inclined to believe that this feels a little bit like Wilder Ortiz in the sense that it's two guys going for it. And while they go for it, they 
they put caution to the wind, and it's not about so much about boxing that it is more about let's tag and and show our chin and maybe get up off the canvas. And I think if this becomes a fight, I'm going to favor AJ. Uh, I I am with you on that 100%. And you know, while I you know. I'm, I wonder wh- how we come down on Joshua's the how we come down on Joshua's chin. Good, Lord. as Joshua said in the in the interview, uh, you know he's not going to let Parker detonate on his chin or explode on his chin or whatever he said. Um, we shouldn't do that either. Uh, but the I mean, so we've seen Joshua right seen him rot Dillian. when he was sort of you know look when he was hurt when when Joshua had white hurt. Uh, and and changed that fight and made it fun until Joshua eventually caught up with him and knocked him out. Uh, Klitschko nearly went to hell and may have been able to get gotten him out of there when they fought last year if he had stepped on the gas after knocking him down. Uh, it was the fifth round. Um, but you know we just saw Dillian White you know beat the tar out of uh, you know that piece of. Uh, tainted Australian meat, Lucas Brown, and, and knock him out cold. So White may have some serious power. We know that Klitschko has, you know, that that shot from Klitschko is one of the best punches in, am I allowed to say, in heavyweight history? It, it's close. It's up there. That was a big um, punch. That was a big you know, punch. Right and, and, uh, I mean, I you know, I mean the Klitschko right hand, the Klitschko straight white, right, straight right. Good lord, um, the Klitschko straight right is one of the best weapons in in the history of the division. Um, uh, so yes, he he was hurt and down from those, um, but he got he got you know he he survived those fights and and won them by knockout. So yeah, we we you know I I, I do think we know that it, Joshua doesn't have like the unbelievable, you know, can't ever be hurt style chin, but you rarely see that in heavyweight. Even, you know, you think of like Larry Holmes, you know, going down against Ernie Shavers, you know, I mean, which, you know, that that, that should have sent, you know, the entire division to hell in one punch, and he got up and, and managed to win that fight. You know, heavyweights knock each other down and hurt each other. Um, so, uh, you know, anyway, I, I guess... While I am, I, I'm both simultaneously doubting Joshua Chin a little bit, and all maybe enough credit because the time he's been hurt, it's been against guys who seem like they're real punchers. I mean, Klitschko clearly is a real puncher, and White is a, looks like he is as well. well um, it comes down to this, Ray. So uh, heavyweight's such a real raw, you know, division that's just so transparent because they're the, the when they punch that hard, it just gets real, like we saw in Wilder Ortiz, and when it gets real, it comes down. In the end, to things like chin and power, but it comes down to who wants it more. And I think that's the simplest way to, to, to analyze how Wilder beat Ortiz. He just straight up wanted it more. I get the feeling that Joshua, for whatever inconsistencies or vulnerabilities he has, is the real deal. Is a real star who is this hungry, who's going to get up off the canvas, who simply wants it more. And when we're evenly matched enough, as we are in Parker Joshua in terms of skills, yeah, maybe Parker's a little bit faster, a little bit slicker. But Joshua's a great athlete and a big guy coming at you. When we're that evenly matched and it comes down to that intangible... I'm picking Joshua to make sure that Parker finds this out. Hey, that black guy, he hits hard. And I like a fun and exciting fight that ends in a Joshua eight-round-ish finish. 
Yeah, Brian, I think uh, I'm right there with you. I think it will be fun. I think they're going to go for it. Um, I don't think either guy is skilled enough a, a defensive fighter to really, you know, stink the other guy out. You know, once once one guy starts to apply some pressure, uh, I just it just you know maybe they'll feel each other out a little bit early, but it's going to break out into a fight. And when it does, I just think Joshua has you know too much for 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 Parker in this case. And yeah, I'm thinking middle round TKO knockout something. All right, but almost as important as the prediction of if we're both picking Joshua to win this, it's what happens next, not what happens in the one minute afterwards when Jim Gray jumps in. Where does Joshua go next? If he wins convincingly over Parker, does he go to Wilder? Does he go to a U.S. debut Big Baby Miller type fight? Rafe Bartholomew, what happens next? Well, you know, a, a couple weeks ago at the beginning of the month after the Wilder fight, there was it felt like there was so much excitement for the possibility of you know Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder fighting right away this year that maybe there would be the pressure to to make it happen and they'd skip the sort of plan to bring Joshua over and let him fight against Big Baby Miller or some other U.S. heavyweight first and get him one fight in the States before making the Wilder fight. But now, you know, that that's died down a little bit. Dillian White, I, I, strangely enough, because he had that big win over Brown last weekend, managed to make that case that he's been, you know, he's been calling for Wilder to take him seriously and give him a shot uh, for a long time. And everyone, Deontay Wilder and most boxing fans are willing to just sort of brush that off, like, give me a break. Even though I'm, I don't know how much that win over Lucas Brown actually meant last week, uh, last Saturday, um, it, it may have been enough to to sort of you know to to create just enough reason to to fight like that or to to you know to give an excuse to to marinate this one more fight for both of these guys and uh and so I think it's I don't think we're going to see Wilder Joshua next I think it will be uh in 2019. Wow, get boobs Brazil on line 1. You should get beat by man titties. Come on, man. You got him. Yeah, you could let you got him. You got him. Wow, Rafe, I'm going to play for Look, it it depends if HBO can get him. If HBO can get him and bring him over or can, or even if Joshua does the the fight by fight deal, whoever you know HBO or Showtime, who's going to give him more money? It could come down to that. I'm going to be optimistic and say we do get it, Rafe. We do get it later this year, and it's massive. And I know Eddie's talking about if we do two fights, the first will be in Vegas. No, the first one will be in England. We know it, Wembley Stadium. We're going to break Carl Frotch's record again. This is what's going to happen, Rafe. You heard me. Oh, I was waiting. I was waiting for the Cobra to come to, to come in and and talk about 80k. But okay, no, we're, we're, we're yeah. I I I don't know. Um, I, that be either way. Look, I'm not mad if they if they marinate this one fight. Um, you know that 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 doesn't seem like, especially in the 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 terms of rate, recent boxing super fights. Um, it, it wouldn't feel like they're stringing they're, they're playing the string out too long. Um, but if we get it this year, great. I ain't complain about that. If Parker pulls the upset, do you think we get Wilder Parker later this summer in Brooklyn in like a, you know, who's the real champion of the world? Or do you think somebody screws this up? Like Duco Events jumps in. Deem, dear guy, Dean Longran tells, tells somebody, uh, jumps in and Joe Horn's in there and they're, and then we just, somebody gets in the way of this. Yeah, you know, I mean, if that happens with Joe, Joseph Parker pulls off the upset and, and gets those belts, it's, it's easy to imagine him wanting to savor that uh, moment. 
uh, before jumping into another huge and difficult fight. Um, I, I guess it also depends on if that happened, how Parker won, how it looked. I mean, if if it's a close fight and Parker wins, then we could be looking at a Joshua Parker rematch, right? Yeah, they asked Eddie Hearn on the conference call whether there's that whether the clause is in there, and he wouldn't comment, but he basically said, look, fights of this nature, when they're this big, they tend to get made more often than not. So that's his way of saying, I think, that Joshua has a chance, uh, has the clause in there to get the rematch if he needs to, if he tends to, you know, if he loses to Parker in some form. That's probably the most likely scenario that we would see that one again. But, Rafe, look, not again, to go back to the well, I'm fired up. It's real heavyweight boxing. Yes, Joe Parker's been in a snooze fest lately, but let's give him a chance to be the the Burger King-sponsored athlete of old, Rafe, and come out here and, and, and do some damage on the heavyweight scene. Fired up for this on Saturday on Showtime. And you know who's going to be there with him. I'm sure we're going to get some good Gypsy King Tyson Fury action this weekend. Hey-oh. Okay, Gypsy boys. Okay, the Irish crew. Hey, hey. Here we go. Oh, Bruno. It's so awesome, by the way, that what was Fury born like 1988? So he was named after Mike Tyson, right? Like this is a legit thing. Yeah, he, he, he his his father did name him after Mike Tyson. Fantastic. You have a problem? Turn off your station. No, 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 Mike. We, we don't have to go to that level. Uh, Rafe, the, the the fans out there can continue to subscribe to Respect Box, the newsletter, every Friday. Go to the Rafe Boogs Twitter account, the pin tweet, for more information. Uh, it's hot fire, Rafe. It's hot fire, all right? Thank you. Uh, yo, please check it out if you're not already doing it. Um, I'm having a blast with it. Uh, as we can tell, since I'm on this podcast, I have managed to lock down a uh, decent enough internet connection here in my my little chamber next to the kitchen um and along with the delicious smells of uh of uh, garlic rice and bistec tagalog uh i will be working on a newsletter this week so let's get it on hey they they fought through your tough internet issues this week for this episode but they had to hear your voice shout out to rafe for taking the time from southeast asia enjoy joseph parker anthony joshua follow me on the old twitter at b Campbell, CBS. Rafe, do you have a message for the people on the way out? Two words, if you. We out.